Bills Mafia, what is up? And welcome into another episode of the Halftime Adjustments Podcast. My name is Charlie Gross. We are part of the Built in Buffalo Podcasting Network. Happy Victory Wednesday to you. Uh-oh. <laughs> That's a loud noise, everybody. The Buffalo Bills defeated the Atlanta Falcons 29-15 to in a game where Josh Allen, the passer, was not good. Uh, I don't know necessarily how bad he was, but he did throw three interceptions, two of them being tip balls, of course, so it's not totally his fault. But Josh Allen, the passer, definitely needed Josh Allen, the runner, and the rest of the Buffalo Bills to pick him up and put him on their backs this week. And they certainly did that. While Josh Allen, the passer, only managed 120 yards, Josh Allen, the rusher, managed 81. Devin Singletary added 110, and Zach Moss added 39 yards. The rushing game also accounted for four touchdowns, all of the touchdowns, and the defense was pretty good. I'm not sure they were fantastic, but they were certainly pretty good to really good uh, on Sunday. I believe they only allowed 197 passing yards and 265 total yards, so only about 65 rushing yards. And for all the talk about Josh Allen being an MVP candidate, which I don't think he is anymore after his three interceptions and Joe Burrow's two monster weeks, I believe Joe Burrow threw for 400 yards. And then 500 yards, and he threw for like five touchdowns this week. So Joe Burrow has certainly catapulted himself into the discussion with Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. I don't think that Josh Allen is in the discussion anymore. Certainly his rushing yards have to be taken into account. If I'm not mistaken, it's at about 700 or more, uh, which when you add them to his passing yards is, is obviously a very impressive total. Uh, in the neighborhood of 4,600, but I just think the three interceptions kind of will kill it for most people who are voting. But I think there were a lot of positives to take out of the game on Sunday. And, you know, the Bills aren't going to win a Super Bowl or, you know, multiple playoff games by having Josh Allen throw the ball 45 times. I think Greg Cosell, when he was on with Colin, Colin Cowherd, mentioned this. And I think there's a lot of truth to it. Certainly it's Greg Cosell's perception, and and Greg Cosell is obviously a legend in the NFL films community. And he basically said that you know no team asks their quarterback to do more than the Buffalo Bills do. And I think that speaks to a few things. I think it speaks to the fact that Josh Allen is a unique talent, and I don't think he's always utilized fully. I was really trying to think of another guy who's really like him in the league. And I couldn't really come up with a guy. I think there's there's guys who come close to him as a thrower. I think he does have the strongest arm in the league. But you th- can think about guys like Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Pat Mahomes, um, you know, Russell Wilson, guys like that who are throwers like that. And then obviously you can look at a guy like, like Lamar Jackson who is certainly faster than Josh Allen and maybe a better runner, but I don't really think there's a guy in the league. Like, Josh Allen's 6'5", he's about 240, 
he runs like you know like a running back like he's tough to take down he's physical he rarely just goes down guys bounce off him and then to have that that package of like an elite running back in with the package of an elite quarterback I don't think there's a guy in the league who possesses those two skill sets at that high high level in one body yeah I think there's you know like I said I think there's guys who are his equal when it comes to passing, and I'm not saying if he just played running back, he'd be this amazing running back. What I'm saying is, is there's nobody who who reaches those levels, you know, in that that combination. And I know that the Bills don't want to use him as a, you know, as a runner that much because obviously there's the perception that it can lead to injury, and you don't want him taking a lot of hits. You know, if you are asking Josh Allen to do this much for your offense, then you just have to kind of unleash him and kind of live with the injuries that that may come. Because quite frankly, the Bills have done a fantastic job supporting him defensively. Like they have a defense that is always going to be a top five defense, at least as it's currently constructed. But they have not given him the best offensive line. And if you're either doing that because you're negligent, or you're just doing it on purpose. And what you're saying is, is okay, Josh Allen is this great athlete, so we can kind of skimp a little bit on the talent on the offensive line, and Josh can handle it and get out of it because he's athletic. So if that's your plan, you can't then suddenly say, well, we don't want to run him too much because he might get hurt. You're forcing him to run because of some of the crappy offensive linemen you have. And if it's negligence, then we got to fix that a different way. And I understand they thought that maybe they had something in Cody Ford, and you know, and and they thought maybe Feliciano would get a little better, which is kind of weird to me because he's thirty. I don't think thirty-year-old guys get better really that often in the NFL. So I think it's a little combination of both, and that needs to be fixed because you know Josh Allen's only twenty-five; he's going to be twenty-six next year. But you know he'll hit thirty pretty quick. He'll hit thirty-five pretty quick, and at some point he's not going to be able to do the things he does in the running game that he can do this year and last year and coming up next year. So at some point you have to protect him. You have to let him get comfortable in the pocket. And then I think you'll you'll see even obviously more statistical success, but I think you'll be able to to pick and choose the, you know, the times when you run him uh, more efficiently. So it's always this fine line between wanting to use him to his fullest ability and not wanting him to get hurt. And kudos to the Bills for kind of realizing that you know, the passer Josh Allen wasn't working this weekend. So whether that was Josh Allen himself, Brian Dable, and say, hey, man, it's it's time to, to you know, really use him as a runner. And they did that really well. Um, I've never been the biggest Devin Singletary fan. I still don't think he's a legitimate number one starting running back. And I, I don't mean I, I want them to draft a guy in the in the first round. I don't think that's necessary. But I will say that Devin Singletary is probably playing the best he's played in his career. I know a lot of people say a lot of stuff about, well, when Frank Gore was here and Devin Singletary's first year. Look, look, Frank Gore took all the carries against those eight-man boxes. That's what no one ever wants to mention. And Devin Singletary was left on the passing downs you know, to run against lighter boxes because the defense was, was backing up to, to cover you know the passing game. Now... Devin Singletary is just the number one running back, and I think he's doing a pretty good job. I'd still like to see them draft a guy who's a little bit bigger, a little bit faster to you know come in here and, and be a solid one-two punch with Singletary. 
I don't think Zach Moss is really going to work out. He just runs you know, towards contact too much. He, he, he doesn't like want to run away from, from the, the opposition he wants to run towards them, and that's not, not ideal when you're trying to score touchdowns. I think that Josh Allen, the passer, also got away from what he's done that has really made him successful the past couple of weeks, and that's sort of taking those profits, taking a lot of those checkdowns, those short passes. You got a guy who's emerging at tight end in Dawson Knox. You didn't even target him, I don't think, one time, maybe one time. You didn't target the running backs at all. Uh, you know, Josh Allen seemed to want to just throw the ball downfield a lot. He got himself into trouble. And this is an interesting discussion that I that I kind of wanted to bring up. I tweeted it out yesterday, actually. I was really thinking about Dawson Knox and, and the, the salary cap situation and the TV deal that's upcoming. And I know we'll get into more of this in the offseason, but you know Dawson Knox this year is basically on pace for about 60 catches, about 600 yards, and probably 10 touchdowns. Those numbers are the same or better than the two tight ends that got two of the biggest contracts in free agency last year, and that's John O. Smith and Hunter Henry. So Dawson Knox, unlike them, is under contract for another year with his rookie, his rookie wage, which is about a million. So I'm thinking to myself, Emmanuel Sanders is going to retire. Cole Beasley may not be back. You could see a situation where Dawson Knox goes from your fourth most targeted player to your second or third. Could end up, let's say, next year with 70 catches, 75 catches, 1,000 yards, 10 touchdowns. If he does that, if he has two years in a row like this, I think it's pretty obvious that he would be offered probably one of, if not the biggest, contracts for tight ends in NFL history if he hits the open market. So obviously it would behoove Brandon Bean to try to resign Dawson Knox this offseason. I mean, you know, sign him to a contract extension. Because the salary cap is going to go up quite a bit with the new TV money. Jerry Jones kind of made that pretty apparent. And I know you're probably saying, well, who cares about Jerry Jones? Well, I mean, he's he's one of the people from the owner's side who negotiated the TV deals. So I think he has a pretty good idea of what the salary cap's going to go up to. I think it's anywhere between 240 and 255. I did some research on it yesterday. You know, the Bills aren't going to have quite as much salary cap as as we think they're going to have even with the cap going up. You got a lot of contracts hitting Josh Allen's first year of, of his new contract hits. You know, Dawson Knox, like I said, could be in that 13 million dollar a year range. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds will probably be in the 13 million range at Oliver in the 10 million range. So the Buffalo Bills, my point is, is the Buffalo Bills are going to have to try to build a better offensive line around Josh Allen. They're going to have to replace some weapons or, or let these young guys, whether it's McKenzie, uh, Gabe Davis, Isaiah Hodgins, let these guys take bigger roles. And all these guys who are on cheap contracts are not going to be on cheap contracts. So the Buffalo Bills need to do a really great job at either finding cheaper free agents or drafting really well. And quite frankly, I think Brandon Bean has been above average when it comes to drafting. I don't think he's been terrible, and I don't think he's been outstanding. I think he's been above average. Certainly he's he's had issues in the second round. Uh, Cody Ford has not worked out. This is, this is what I talk about when I talk about how the roster was structured in a certain way. 
every year you have these veteran contracts that fall off, like, you know, Trent Murphy, and now, like, Star is going to fall off soon, and Mario Addison and Jerry Hughes, and it's up to the Bills to, you know, replace these guys with younger players, but then at some point the younger players are going to get contract extensions provided that, that they develop and, and they play well, and then you've got you've to develop a new tier of, you know, lower-paid guys who, who play really well. So I think that's the next challenge for the Buffalo Bills, for Brandon Bean. Obviously, like I said, we'll get into that more in the offseason. But it's important because you've got to find a way to support Josh Allen, and now you have all these these high-level contracts coming in. Josh Allen included. Josh Allen's cap hit is like $39 million in 2023. I mean, that basically eats up all the, all the, the cap jumps that are going to happen at least that year. So it's it's something to be aware of. Um, like I said, I think Josh Allen, the passer, needs to not worry about the MVP award. I think he needs to get back to the way he was playing, really take profits, um, use Dawson Knox in the passing game more, use Devin Singletary in the passing game more. Just really be, you know, it's the kind of the death by a thousand cuts thing that Tom Brady has done against, you know, Buffalo, I don't hate to keep bringing that up, but that's the best example I can think of is Tom Brady. Tom Brady beat everybody by just being accurate and not ever really throwing the ball that far downfield. So Josh Allen needs to do more of that and then accentuate that with, with his natural gifts running you know, and the downfield stuff. I would be remiss if I didn't spend some time on the defense. As I said, the defense played pretty good. I don't know if they played great. I think there were certainly issues. I didn't expect the Atlanta Falcons to be leading the game at halftime, and it looked that they were really sort of bringing it to the Buffalo Bills defense at times. But I was pretty happy with the pressure that the defensive line got. I believe there were four sacks, four or five sacks. Uh, Teron Johnson on a blitz, Ed Oliver, Harrison Phillips, Greg Rousseau, Mario Addison all had sacks. And I was really excited to see... Ed Oliver and Harrison Phillips, because even though stars under contract through 2023, I really kind of look at Ed Oliver and certainly Harrison Phillips now. I believe Harrison Phillips has played his way into a contract extension. I think he's maybe playing better than Star is right now, and I can see how Harrison Phillips and Ed Oliver could be, you know, the Bills' sort of two starting defensive interior defensive linemen going forward for the next four or five years. So. I'm I'm really happy for Harrison Phillips because he was a guy who, at the beginning of the year, I didn't want any part in resigning. But we see that that the more time you're removed from an ACL injury, the way he is, I believe it's been two years now, he really has kind of come into his own, and 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 just played. Certainly, the last five or six games has played has played very well. I really I still really like F. A. Obata. I know he was a little quiet last week, but I still think that he's valuable with his inside-outside stuff. I think Tremaine Edmonds struggled, and that's an interesting situation, certainly for the Bills, when it comes to his contract, because, you know, he's a pretty young player. He's got this crazy build. He's 6'6", you know, 250, certainly cuts down on passing lanes in the middle, but instinctively, he just hasn't quite gotten to it and at some point you just have to acknowledge that he's not going to sort of be 
as instinctual as you'd like, as free flowing as you like. But it's but at the same time, he's he's playing pretty well. He's not a terrible player. He's not an average player. He's a good player. Um, yeah, I don't know if he'll ever be a great player. So he's a guy that I, I think you have to resign. I hope he keeps developing. I hope he hasn't reached his ceiling. And I quite frankly, I think the defensive backfield has played pretty well. I still don't think we've had a game where we've really said said to ourselves, man, I really miss Trey White, right? Like, we haven't had that game yet. And I don't, you know, you imagine the playoffs, you might, especially if you run, you run into the Chiefs or something, or, you know, a team like that. But, but so far, I think they've acquitted themselves pretty well. I think there's certainly some schematic stuff that's a little different. Um, Jordan Poyer has to play farther back from the line of scrimmage at times than I think he was before, in a way. But it's still nothing egregious, nothing that you just say, oh my God, I can't believe, you know, like th- this this team is just desperately needs a guy like Trey White back in the lineup. I don't think that's the case at all. I think Dane Jackson has played well. I think Levi Wallace continues to play well. And that's a guy who I was hoping that they would not resign after this year. But I think now they don't really have a choice because as we said with Harrison Phillips, it really took him 18 months to come back from his ACL, and in September, I think Trey White, it's been it would have been like nine months. So if if you're not sure if Trey White's knee is 100%, I know they're going to want him to play. I think you've got to keep Levi Wallace, and you've got to keep you know Dane Jackson as that the third guy instead of instead of letting Levi Wallace go and having Dane Jackson start opposite Trey White. I think you're going to have to keep Levi Wallace for another year. Make sure that that Trey's knee. Heals fully, and then maybe Levi Wallace um, isn't on the team for the 2023 season and beyond. We'll see. Um, I think it was a fairly quiet game for Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. Certainly for Jordan Poyer, um, now that they're sort of playing back, as I said, I don't think that the, the turnovers are quite there as we'd like and as we expect. But certainly, they're certainly, to me, Obviously, probably the best safety tandem in the league just for what they can do to, um, you know, how the defense looks at, for, you know, to a quarterback before the snap and after the snap. And Matt Ryan really thought he was he was some hot stuff when he ran in for that touchdown and was, was talking some smack to Jordan Poyer. And then we come to find out that Matt Ryan actually didn't score a touchdown that his knee was down on the one-yard line, and so he ended up looking pretty stupid because he was talking trash to Jordan Poyer for absolutely no reason. And I think Jordan Poyer just thought it was funny, right? Like, these guys are competitors. I don't know what was said, but I think as as an opponent, I mean, Matt Ryan's a Hall of Famer, and as an opponent of his, certainly you, you respect his competitiveness, so I don't think there there's any bad blood there or any, you know, any super offensive things that that happen. Matt Ryan is pumped up. He's the leader of his team. He, you know, he, he runs slower than, you know, your 100-year-old grandma but still managed to almost score a touchdown. So he was obviously pretty pumped about that. Next week, the Buffalo Bills, well, this coming week I should say, play the New York Jets. I predicted last week that the Bills would win 56 to 9. That did not happen. They could win 56 to 9 this coming week though cuz the Jets quite frankly they stink. I think it's pretty obvious that Zach Wilson is still learning a lot about the NFL. I think we should expect a lot of sacks, 
some interceptions and certainly pretty nice day um, on the scoreboard for the Buffalo Bills. I guess I'll force myself to give you guys a prediction right now. I'm going to say that the Buffalo Bills beat the New York Jets 38 to 3. I'd like to thank you guys for listening. Once again, I would like to remind you that we are part of the Built in Buffalo podcasting network. Encourage you to check out Built in Buffalo on all the socials. Also check out the YouTube channel and, of course, all the other podcasts here on the podcast network. Shout out to my cat, Jedi, for mewing in the background. We would really appreciate it if you would give a five-star review and rating if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else where you can do that. Also, one thing before I go, I would like to mention that I, I was made aware of this video that's been circulating on Twitter. Uh, my wife sent it to me. She is a big Betty White fan. Um, I was a fairly big Betty White fan. I remember watching all the Golden Girls shows as a as a teenager, and I certainly still watch them if I ever come across them on TV. Uh, very sad, obviously, with the news of her passing, and I thought it was, we, we thought it was pretty cool that instead of the shout song that the Buffalo Bills played the Golden Girls theme song after the Bills scored at one point in the game against Atlanta. So um, that was certainly a nice gesture by the Bills organization or perhaps just (laughs) by the the guy who decides what music gets played after touchdowns. Um, Either way, it was very nice. Um, Certainly the loss of of Betty White, I think. I mean, who didn't know who Betty White was, right? And it has nothing to do with football, but I think that we all kind of grew up with her in our lives in, in some aspect, whether on the Golden Girls or or as a comedian. You know, she, I saw she she did a thing with John Cena a few years ago, so it seemed like she was kind of everywhere. Um. So yeah, that anyway, that was a nice gesture by the the Buffalo Bills, and certainly. Um, our condolences go out to Betty White's family and friends and, and the relatives and, and all that stuff. And as far as this podcast goes, I will talk to you next week, hopefully talking about another Buffalo Bills win and where their seating is in the playoffs. Until then, Bills Mafia, find a way to embrace your growth mindset. And as always, trust the process.